Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year, and we're so close to being done. Well, we're so close to being done to the, in the New Testament. Um, but we are covering Job 21-22 and 1 John chapter 5. It's the last chapter in the, the uh, 1 John. So I'm going to just read some pieces because um, it's good and yet it's the kind you just have to like let it sink in. So I'm going to read it and then you can always go back and read it and let it sink in. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. <laughs> Tell that to some of the people when they say, oh, being a Christian is so hard. I'm trying to be perfect. It's not about being perfect. Um, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Wait a second. Who is that? Who is it that overcomes the world? So there you have a question. Who is it that overcomes the world? And here's the answer. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Wait, is that you and me? If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, can you overcome the world? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And this is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is his testimony, or it is the testimony of God, which has given up his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts his testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given by his son about his son. That is, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Okay, that's pretty direct. Whoever does not have... Okay, so we're talking about accepting Jesus into our heart. This just it just really clarifies it. So good. Um, then he finishes the book, the, the book of 1 John by saying, um, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So good. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. Isn't that funny? You could think and think and think, what do you mean by that? And that's the beauty of the Bible. 
that's why it never gets boring. That's why you can always read it over and over and over because it will speak to you in different ways, just like that. I'm not saying that you should pray about what that. And then you go back and say, wait, pray about what? (laughs) Okay, all wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God. And remember, the previous chapter, God is love. So we are, we are the children of love. And then it says, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But wait, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But wait, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. But wait, the evil one controls the world. But wait. We can overcome it. And we cannot be harmed if the one who was born of God keeps them safe. Because we are children of God. And God is what? Love. And you must live in love and love others. Okay. <laughs> um Okay, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And then, you know, it's funny, the very last verse, now my version of the Bible, I don't know if it's the original version or why they put this in or how it reads in other um, biblical versions, but this one says on verse 21, Dear children, Keep yourself from idols. Like, out of all this deep talk about love and God being love and how to resist the enemy. And by the way, keep yourself from idols. Some people say, why did he just throw something in there so random? But if you really look at it, you can go, that's not random. Because here he's talking about love. You're the child of God. You can overcome the world. Jesus overcomes the world. If you have Jesus in you, you can resist. You won't suffer or you won't be harmed. However, at the end it says, keep yourself from idols. Doesn't that kind of like give you a clue? How do you, are you led astray by having idols in your life? What could idols be? It's not just statues. It could be your career, the pursuit of success. It could be another person. It could be someone that you love. It could be your identity that you hold up as an idol, your beliefs that you hold up as an idol, your culture. So many things. Your pride. You can hold your, your pride can become an idol. So it actually fits quite well. What they're saying, in my opinion, which you might have a different opinion, but what he's saying at the end is the thing that can get you in the way of you enjoying all these amazing things is idolatry. And yes, you can put other people as idols. Even if it's a good thing, even if it's a good thing, it can become an idol. So that's not good. All right, let's move on to Job 21 and 22. What's happening here? Job responds, I'd love to read the whole thing, but then this podcast episode would be so, so long. But I think Job's a great communicator, great writer, expressing his... But imagine if we didn't know 
we didn't know that God thought Job was really a great guy and he was the best in the world and he allowed Satan to test him. If we didn't know that Job was such a good guy, we might question ourselves, well, maybe Job did do something wrong. Maybe he had sin in his heart that we can't see. Maybe he had sin in the privacy of his life. Maybe he had pride. Maybe he had his own self-righteousness as an idol. As we just read in chapter 5 at the very end, don't have an idol. Maybe Job had his his children as an idol. Remember how much he loved them and all his stuff? We don't know. Maybe in his heart, they were an idol. Maybe his own self-righteousness was an idol. That's what we would have thought of. But because we have the context of the story, we know it isn't true. They, that he wasn't being punished. Um, he wasn't being punished by God. And yet he thinks he's being punished by God. And he's expressing that, expressing his pain and anguish. So when the friends are hearing that, they don't know. They're thinking, maybe you do have an idol. You need to search your heart. Clearly you're being punished. And in those days, bad things happening to you means you are being punished. So it's not unusual that they're speaking the way they are. They're trying to comfort. I mean, they did sit with him for seven days and seven nights in total silence. But at some point, they're probably thinking, what should we say? I don't know. But then Job starts speaking, spewing things that blaming God, blaming himself, talking bad about himself about the day he was born, talking bad about his friends. And so, of course, they have to say something and it never comes out right. It just doesn't come out right. Even the commentating that I've read acts like the friends are just awful. Well, Again, from that context, why is the commentator saying that? Because from the context of the commentator, they know that Job was actually a really good guy. So they're saying that the friends are giving bad advice. But shouldn't the commentator say, well, the friends didn't actually know. So they are responding. Maybe they're afraid that God is going to strike Job down with a lightning bolt because of the way he's blaming God. Who knows? So verse chapter 21, you've got to read it. It's just because we have context, we understand where Job's coming from. And it's easy to listen to his pain and go, don't worry, Job. We know what happens at the end. Don't worry. You're going to get it all back and better. Don't worry. God's on your side. Yeah, sure. It's easy to read it because we know that. But if you didn't know that, how would you feel? And he starts with, Listen carefully to my words. Let this be the consolation you give me. Bear with me while I speak, and after I have spoken, mock mock on. Is my complaint directed to a human being? Why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be appalled. Clap your hands clap your hand over your mouth. When I think about this, I am terrified. Okay, so now he's replying because he was not that he was bad mouthing God, but he was saying why are you punishing? You know, he was blaming God. And so he continues to talk to his friends and blame God, but then also see God as the restorer. Wow, wow, wow. Then on chapter 22, his friend replies and still says, hey, 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 hey. 
take a deep breath, relax. Honestly, search your heart because clearly you did something. I'm not saying what it is. I'm just saying, look at what's happened in your life. You must have done something wrong. And then Job's like, no, I didn't. Or did I? And so there's this dialogue and his friend is saying, hey, it's okay. You clearly did something wrong. Submit to God, verse 21, submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. If you remove wickedness far from you, far from your tent, and assign your nuggets to the dust, your gold and your offer to the rocks in the ravines, then the Almighty will be your gold, the choice silver for you. Surely then you will find delight in the Almighty and will lift up your face to God. You will pray to him and he will hear you and he will fulfill your vows. What you decide on will be done and the light and light will shine on your ways. When people are brought low and you say, lift them up, then he will save the downcast. So if you didn't hear all the rebuke from the friend and you just heard this part, you probably would have said, oh, that's really nice. What an encouraging friend. Crazy, crazy, right? Just jump into the story and hopefully without judgment, you can feel from the perspective of Job, the suffering and the friends who are trying to comfort. And it it, it also just depicts humankind living in this earth, living in this world. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ came onto the scene. Jesus wasn't here yet. But thank goodness Jesus came onto the scene because maybe the friends would have let, let go of culture and said, hey, Job, Jesus is just, Jesus is your comforter. Something. Maybe their advice would have been different. Maybe not. They're only human. Anyways, my friends, this was Job 21-22. Definitely worth a read. Um, and First John chapter 5. Wow. These are it's pretty deep stuff, don't you think? Not as simple as Proverbs, but pretty deep stuff. All right, my friends, have a great day. I shall see you soon.